Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another Legion of Michael podcast. I just felt like starting us out with the a little bit of Psalm 23 there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, uh, I shall fear no evil. I shall fear no evil. Yes, indeed. Evil. Is there evil in our world? Absolutely, there is evil in our world. That is one of the greatest tricks that Satan and his minions, and Satan has a lot of minions on planet Earth. One of the tricks that Satan and his minions have played upon us and that they try to play upon us all the time is to convince us that there is no evil in the world. There's no bad. There's no good. There's no good. There's no bad. It's just what you want to do. And certainly there's no evil. No, there is evil in our world. And uh, we see it in many, many forms all over the world today. Now, should we rebuke evil or should we coexist with it? We must consider what we are commanded to do by the Scripture compared to what is actually taking place in our nation, in our world. Are our churches attempting to coexist with evil? Or are they calling evil out? Are our churches and our church leaders calling out evil and pointing to it and saying, that is bad, that is wrong, that is sinful? I do not care whether pop culture or the media or even people in Washington, D.C. say that that's okay. According to the Bible, according to the word, that is sin and that is evil. You say, okay, Paul, well, you say that, but is there any biblical affirmation? Because apparently a lot of these bishops and preachers and pastors and people who call themselves Christians have failed to recognize the need to rebuke evil, the need to correct wrong, the need to point out wrong and evil when it is seen and to, well, make people better. Instead, what I see all across our nation, and I don't know about the world, but I see this across the nation of the United States, is I see people who pretend to be Christians, and rather than calling out evil and saying, hey, that is evil, that is wrong, that behavior is sinful, instead, they say, well, you know, if that's what makes them happy. Or maybe in order to attract more parishioners, we should just lay off the whole sin and evil thing. 
if we talk about sin and if we talk about what is evil and what is wrong, if we point out people's shortcomings, well, they won't like that. And then they won't show up. They won't be part of our club because we told them that their behavior was evil. Hmm. King Solomon in Proverbs, King Solomon, the, the son of David, if you guys remember, how did King Solomon become the wisest man ever to live? Well, God approached him in a dream, and he said, anything you desire, I shall give to you. And Solomon could have said, I want money. I want power. I want you to destroy all of my enemies. And if you read the, the Old Testament, you'll know that Solomon actually had some enemies. Now, we see Solomon today from the, from the prism of history through the, the looking glass of history, and we're like, wow, he was a smart dude, a wise man. But instead of, instead of asking for power or glory or fame or long life or death for his enemies, Solomon asked God to give him wisdom and discernment to help him judge the people of Israel and Obviously, if you know anything about your biblical history, God granted that. He said, not only am I going to give you wisdom beyond that of anyone who has ever lived before and anyone who will ever live again, not only am I going to give you that, but because your wish, your desire was so selfless, and that really was selfless because think about it. If, if someone said to you, they came to you and they said, okay, this is one of those magical things, but, you know, we will give you anything you want. Just name it. Name one thing, and you can name anything. You can name, you know, a huge mansion or a million dollars or whatever, and it'll be yours. And Solomon's, well, his request was selfless. He said, I don't want money. I don't want fame. I don't want power. What I want is, is a wise and discerning heart. And God, well, obviously, uh, God blessed him for that. And in Proverbs, Solomon, and not just one, how many of you remember the, the or were heard when you were growing up, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child? What does that mean? Does it mean you're supposed to spare the rod? Don't spank your kid, just spoil him instead. Is that what Solomon's saying? Was he saying, ignore your child's behavior, reward them, and don't punish them? No, he was exactly saying the opposite. Solomon said in Proverbs numerous times that you are charged with disciplining your children and correcting their bad behavior. Because if you do not, you will raise monstrous, horrible children who will become monstrous, horrible adults. In the book of Proverbs 19.9, Solomon says, a false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. And then in 1925, he says, strike a scoffer, and the naive may become shrewd, but reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. Now, often we'll see in the Bible, we'll see words that we don't use very often today. We'll, we'll see the words reprove. And reprove basically means to correct. Yes, to correct. We are actually commanded in the Bible, we are commanded throughout 
to reprove others, to make corrections. And you say, oh, hang on a second, Paul. I've got the trump card there. Christ said to remove the own the, the log from your eye before you remove the splinter from your brother's eye. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But Christ didn't say, don't correct your neighbor. He didn't say, don't correct your brother. What he was saying there was, don't be a hypocrite. Don't go to your brother and say, hey, you got to stop doing that, whatever it is, because it's wrong and it's bad and it's sinful, and then you're doing the same thing. Christ was calling out hypocrisy. He wasn't telling you, oh, just, just let your brother continue to be sinful. In Proverbs 24, uh, verses 24 and 25, Solomon says, He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, peoples will curse him, nations will abhor him. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. The wisest man to ever exist, King Solomon, who was speaking the words of God. He was speaking the words that the Holy Spirit gave him. I think we all understand that. Or we should. We should understand that. He said, I'm going to say this again. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, people will curse him. Nations will abhor him. But to those who rebuke the wicked, but to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. And you say, all right, well, that's just Proverbs. For those of you who are like, well, I like Solomon, and he seems like he was a nice guy. You know, he told him to cut the baby in half, and the lady said, no, don't cut the baby in half. Give it to her. And he's like, aha, that's the real mom. Give her the baby. You guys all know that story, right? Say, all right, so in the book of Proverbs, we're commanded to make corrections. We're commanded to rebuke the wicked, to rebuke the evil. All right, but, but yeah, that's, just, that's just, it's just one thing. Do you folks remember that whole Israelite story when they were wandering in the desert and they were taken to the promised land? You guys remember that? You guys remember that from, from uh, Sunday school? In the book of Deuteronomy, they're talking about uh, sending the Israelites into Canaan, into the promised land. Now, the Canaanites, if you look up, if you dig deep into your Old Testament history, the Canaanites were not, they weren't angels. They weren't saints. The Canaanites were, were well, basically pagans. They were worshipped false idols. They engaged in lascivious uh, sexual practices. And depending on uh, which, which history or which, uh, which books you read, Apparently, the Canaanites were given to sacrificing children to their false idols, to their demonic gods. They weren't exactly nice people, the Canaanites. Now, God, he ordered them, he ordered Joshua to send the people of Israel into Canaan and to conquer it. You might be thinking, man, that's, that's kind of mean. You know, why didn't God say, hey, go into Canaan and get some condos and set up a little community for yourself. Maybe you could set up an area like in New York, like Chinatown. Oh, this would be called Israel Town. 
You know, you go to Canaan and you set up Israel town and, and, and you sell the locals your, your Jewish baked goods and, and, and kosher meats and so forth. Wouldn't that be nice? Why don't you go into Canaan and learn to coexist with evil? In Deuteronomy 9.5, God tells them, he said, it is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going to take possession of their land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, God was using the Israelites as his instrument to punish the wickedness of the people who were living in Canaan. Canaan was the land of milk and honey, right? The land of milk and honey, the land where grapes were the size of golf balls. All this good, and God had provided that to the Canaanites. And and how had they rewarded him? They rewarded him by rebelling. They rewarded him by worshiping demonic idols, engaging in, in you know, basically uh, being immoral and corrupt. Now you say, all right, that's Old Testament stuff, Paul. But New Testament changes all that. You guys ever read the book of Jude? It's not that long. It's not that long, but there's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good stuff in the book of Jude. In, in the book of Jude, let me go ahead and pull out. I'm going to pull out my my KJV. Now, I know a lot of you guys are like, man, KJV, that's the King James Version for you. For you neophytes, KJV is King James Version. You're like, man, there's a lot of yees and thous and thou shouts and so forth. And, you know, we need to dumb it down. I, I actually like, I don't go to it all the time, but I like the KJV Version because it doesn't engage in our modern practice of dumbing everything down to idiot speak. I mean, let's face it, in our world today, we're not, we're not raising smarter, more intelligent children. We're raising children that communicate with grunts and groans and pictures. Now, Jude, and there's only, there's only one book of Jude, it's, it's, uh, and there's 25 verses. But in four... Four through seven. This is a warning from Jude. He says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of, uh, before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put to you in remembrance... Though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Solomon, I'm excuse me, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in a like manner 
giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example of suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Yes, Jude is reminding us, he said, hey, there are people, certain men have crept in unawares into your church, into your community, into your society. And these men are not there to do good, but they are ungodly men that are turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to remind us, he goes on to say, that even the angels who turned their back on God were cast out, put into everlasting change, chains, unto the judgment of the great day. And I think we all should know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, man? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah, is, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, they were engaging in fornications, in sexual acts with strange flesh, in lasciviousness. And God said, <laughs> if you remember, he said to Joshua, he said, I'm going to destroy that city. And Joshua said, well, what if there, what if there are 50 righteous people? Will you spare it? And he said, yes. Well, what if they're 40? Well, what if they're 30? It's like, okay, okay. If they're, if they're 30, if they're 20, I will spare it. And they couldn't even find that many righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was destroyed by fire and brimstone. So Jude warns us about the dangers of engaging with and allowing ungodly men to come into our community, into our church, into our society, because those people are not there to bring us up. They're actually doing the exact opposite. Those people are there to bring the church down, to sow seeds of dissent and evil, to make you, well, quite frankly, to make you not believe or to disbelieve or to question your beliefs. There are people that are put in your path that come in your way, and rather than build you up, they try to break you down. Oh, you're not one of those Bible-thumping, churchy-churchy guys, are you? It puts me in mind of the, uh, the, the people like, well, yeah, I go to church and everything, but I don't talk about it. Or I, don't, I don't force my beliefs on anyone. Or I, I don't want people to think I'm a zealot. You know, I don't want to talk about church on not Sunday. You know, I can do it on, you know, one hour a week I can do it. But, you know, the rest of the week, I keep it to myself. I don't say anything. don't talk about it. It puts me in mind of a gentleman I met years and years ago. I was at a public shooting range. And I was doing my thing, you know, and uh, being an instructor. And the guy's like, oh, well, you seem like you know what you're doing. And I said, like, oh, yeah, well, kind of. 
And I, and I said, well, I, I do the, this is probably 10 years ago. I said, I do the concealed carry classes here at the range. He's like, oh, I have my concealed carry permit. And I thought, okay, great. Well, yeah, I have mine, but, but I, I, don't, I don't carry all the time or anything because, I, I mean, I don't want people to think I'm paranoid. I'm not, I'm not like a paranoid person. Oh, so you went through all of that. You got your concealed carry permit because you thought maybe it was a good idea. But then you decided not to do it. And you don't tell people you carry a gun. You, you don't want them to think you're crazy. It's, it's kind of like the, the 11 to noon or the, or the 10 to 11 Christians. Like, like for, for one hour a week, I'm down with the sickness. I go there. I'm down with the sickness. I'll, I'll sing the songs. You know, I'll, I'll murmur along. But then come Monday, I'm not going to talk about that. And I'm certainly not going to rebuke evil. I'm not going to correct my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to point out sin because if I point that out, then people won't like it. Does Solomon say, hey, man, don't point out bad behavior. Don't point out sinful behavior because if you point out the sinful behavior, it'll make people feel bad. And so your job is to make people feel good in their sinfulness. Your job is to coexist with evil. Is that what Jude said? Is that what God said to Joshua? Is that what Solomon said? He said, hey, you know, don't rebuke evil, because if you do, it'll hurt people's feelings. Actually, it's the exact opposite. You say, all right, well, I mean, if you're on the whole rebuking evil, I mean, I can see if someone's in the, in the midst of, of doing something wrong. If, like, if they're committing a crime in front of me, then I'll say something. But, you know, just this correcting bad behavior or pointing out bad behavior, I, I don't know about that. Well, the ultimate, and this is the Legion of Michael, and we take our example from uh, Michael, the great prince, as he's referred to, in, in the Bible. Michael the archangel is God's warrior. He's not a, Gabriel's the messenger. Remember, Gabriel is the messenger. Michael is the fighter. Revelations 12, 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. You mean... God sent Michael and his angels to do battle with evil? He didn't say, well, you know, let's coexist. You'll have Satan town. Like, we'll have angel town over here. We'll have, like, heaven town. And then you guys, well, you just want to do your own thing. And, you know, there is no good. There is no bad. It's just what you want to do. So why don't you go ahead and set up Satan town over here in this part, and then we'll have heaven town over here. Is that what God said? Did God say, Michael, go find Satan and read him a chapter out of the purpose-driven life? And then, then, then he'll change his mind and he'll be good. No. He commanded Michael and his angels to fight the dragon and his angels. And it says in uh, verse 8, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. That is Satan. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. 
He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Kind of sounds like God is about rebuking evil to me. Kind of sounds to me like God commands us to rebuke and to call out and make corrections. Like you guys, you guys pointed out earlier, you said, "Yeah, but you know, Christ said, take the you know, the moat out of your or the the log out of your own eye before you remove the splinter from your brother's eye." Yeah, he was saying, "Don't be a hypocrite." He wasn't saying, "Don't make a change." Ladies and gentlemen, Christ reminded us that because of Him and because of His Word, that we would be hated by men. That. Fathers would turn against sons, and sons would turn against fathers. Daughters against mother-in-laws, and mother-in-laws against daughters. And he also said, think not that I came to bring peace. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus said that? Jesus said, I came to bring a sword? What? No, that's not true. That's not, you know, Look it up, brothers and sisters. Look it up. Yes, men will hate you. If you mention sin, if you point out evil, if you make corrections, if you say, you know, I'm not going to engage in that behavior, I'm not going to endorse that behavior. As a matter of fact, that behavior is sinful. Oh, you can't say that. That may you're you're not allowed to say that. In some places in the world, you cannot call out. In some evil countries in our, in, in our world, if you call out the evils of sin, that they will come and arrest you for hurting someone's feelings. Think that I'm wrong. That's the path that we're heading towards in the United States of America. What did, uh, what did Solomon say in Proverbs? He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, peoples will curse him. Nations will abhor him. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight and a good blessing will come upon them. Yes, indeed. Amen, brothers. And if you needed a little bit more, if you needed a little bit more, I'm going to tell you this, and this is a personal belief that I'm holding right now. I believe that the reason that we're going through such a hard time as a nation here in the United States of America as I speak the words into this microphone is because we have failed to rebuke evil. We have failed to call it out. We have failed in our, in our duty. We've failed our duty, and we have not made corrections. We have instead attempted to coexist with evil. One of the many reasons in the Old Testament, people like, why, why was God so, so mean, man? He, he sent the Israelites in and he told them to conquer those people and to drive them out. Why was that? Because he knew that they could not function. They could not have a strong functioning society if they attempted to coexist with evil. Ladies and gentlemen, you can be bold. You can be fearless. Or you can be meek and mild in attempt to coexist with evil. Now, I know you might have more friends. 
or maybe not friends, but you might have more people that like your page or maybe you might have more people that show up at your service. You're like, well, people aren't going to show up if we talk about sin. If we point out their sinful behavior, that'll make them feel bad so they won't come. That's not your responsibility. That's their responsibility. If you deliver the message and the message is rejected by them, you did your part. As a matter of fact, you did what you were commanded to do. You were commanded to deliver the message. Now, whether or not they accept the message, that's not up to you. Do you recall when Christ sent his disciples out to minister to the world? He sent them out all over Judea, all over the Mediterranean there. And he, he sent them out to minister, and he said, go deliver my word. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the demons in my name. But he also advised them. He said, and whoever does not receive nor listen to your words, as you leave that house or city, shake the dust off of your feet. Truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What was he saying? He was saying, it is your job to go out and deliver the message. That is your mission. Go out and rebuke evil. Point out sin. Make corrections. And if they refuse to listen to you, what was Christ saying here? He's like, hey, if you go and you deliver the message and you say, repent from your sin and your evil ways, and they say, ah, 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 ah we don't want to hear it. Get out of here. We don't want to hear it. What did Christ say? Did he say, sit on the ground and kick your feet until they, until they listen to you? No. No, he said, he said, as you leave the house or city, shake the dust off of your feet. Because those people to whom the message was delivered and who rejected the message, it will be more tolerable for them in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And let me tell you what, brothers and sisters, it wasn't real great when, when Lot and his kids walked out, turned their backs on Sodom and Gomorrah, things were bad. Okay, fire and brimstone, everyone was destroyed in a horrible, painful death. Evil was wiped off of the earth right there. And what Christ is saying, if you deliver the message and they reject it, it's going to be more... The people in Sodom and Gomorrah were going to have had a better time than those people who rejected your message. So fear not. Don't be afraid to rebuke evil. Do not be afraid to make corrections. Do not be afraid to point out evil and sin when you see it. If you read the good book, all over the good book, we are commanded to rebuke evil. We are commanded to minister to our brothers and sisters. We are commanded to fight against sin. And if they won't listen, that's not your problem. Isn't that, isn't that refreshing? You're like, well, I, I made, I delivered the word, I delivered the message, I pointed out the sin, I pointed out the evil, and they said, we don't care, we don't want to hear it, we're not going to change. Okay. 
I did my part. And I'm going to move on, and I will do my part somewhere else. Ladies and gentlemen, you might be saying to yourself now, I hope not, but you might be saying, what does this have to do with being in the Legion of Michael and being a defender of the faith and protecting the innocent? At some point in time, you are going to encounter evil, and you're going to have to put yourself between that evil and the innocent. Fear not. Be strong. Be bold. Be courageous. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and close it out with the warrior's prayer. Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go forth and be of good cheer, brothers and sisters. I will be back again soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.